The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools and investors seeking promising ag tech startups or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. We just did a this questionnaire to consumers of how they feel about vertical farming. One of ten, you anything about vertical farming? When we talked a little of what is going on and what is the benefits of vertical farming, what it means, what it really means. So then nine out of ten people were interested to try out vertical farm products. That's really promising. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ag tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast, Season 5. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If this is your first time listening, I am positive. You're in the right place. You found the right show. It's the one where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. So pull up a chair. In case you missed last week's episode, we spoke with Viraj Puri, co-founder and CEO of Gotham Greens. Viraj and I connected at Indoor AgCon in Las Vegas, and we had had him scheduled, and so it was nice to get a face-to-face there and have a follow-up conversation or a actual interview on the show. He's on a mission to transform the way we approach our food system by growing greener foods in better ways. And through Gotham Greens, Viraj and his team have helped to build and operate sustainable greenhouses in cities across America. So make sure if you haven't already listened to it, give it a listen. There was a issue with, I think, one of the versions we uploaded. So if you had problems with last week's episode, if you delete it and then you resync, you should be okay. So sometimes that happens uh, on the technical side. So apologies if that uh, resulted in a not perfect uh, experience for you. That's something we're always looking to stay on top of and make sure it's uh, great for you because I know there's first-time listeners as well, and hopefully that wasn't their first experience with the show. This week, we have a return guest. It's Nico Kiyoja. He's the CEO of NetLed. And he spent his first part of his career in CEA as a grower and has spent the last decade in high-tech CEA and vertical farming development. He returns to the show to discuss how the industry is growing and what opportunities exist for competitors and what possibilities there are for sharing technological advances to benefit everyone. He talks about exciting new partnerships and projects that NetLed 
is working on, including one with a Calgary-based wholesale supplier to bring NetLed's Vera vertical farming technology to the North American market. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with Nico and his team at Indoor Icon as well and got to shake his hand and, and meet some folks from there. So that's always nice when I can do that. And I'm looking to do that again at uh the Indoor Egg Conference in New York. Still 50-50 on that, so stay tuned here to see if I can make it. Make sure you tune into Vertical Farming Weekly, our newsletter where we share the latest updates on what's happening in the world of vertical farming, verticalfarmingweekly.com. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I would love it if you leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd love to read yours out next. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Nico. Nico Kivioya. CEO of NetLed, thank you for joining me for round two on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure talking with you. So it was nice to meet in person at Indoor AgCon in Las Vegas. That was fun. It was really, really nice event. Uh, first time for me in that event. Uh, yeah, I really loved it. Had you been to Vegas before? No, not before. That was an experience as well. <laughs> what was your thought about what Vegas was like? And then what was it? What was your thought about it once you got to experience it in person? I have to say that I had my understanding was only from Hollywood movies. So, uh, <laughs> the, the Ocean's room Eleven. Usually, yeah, Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Yeah, yeah, it's quite far from that experience. But then again, it's surprisingly clean and everything works well. And so it, it was really, really nice. Um, nice to see that town with my own eyes. Yeah. Did uh, do you do you play poker? Do you do any gambling? Unfortunately, I had really tight schedule at, uh, when I was there, but I did try those lots a little bit, but I think they are just robbing me. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think it was my partner learned Texas Hold'em online during COVID, so she was there with me. And then after the conference, she sat down at an actual table with real money for the first time. And like the heart is like racing. <laughs> yeah. Like super, really, really excited and really, really nervous. She was surprised at how much adrenaline flows through your system when you're dealing with like it's not a lot couple maybe a couple hundred dollars but when it's real money and you're you're trying to bluff and you're trying to have people not read your emotions it's it's a really interesting experience yeah was that the first indoor farming conference you had been to in a while or had you had you been to others we've had our team in the in the um orlando was it in orlando the previous event so we had a team there, but back then the uh, visa arrangements were really difficult with the, with the situations with the um, pandemic. So so that then I couldn't attend myself, but uh, we had team there anyways. And what's been your experience and maybe pre-COVID um, and maybe adjusted slightly, but do you see the value in these events from a exposure and from a, a networking perspective? Do you feel like after you've been there and... Uh, people are getting to to learn more about the company that that it's a good use of, of the company's time i'd say yes so there is a spectrum of conferences and conference types some of those are not so useful than others but i i really like this icon type let's say um intimate small event where there is it's big event a lot of visitors but then again the the booths are small there is only limited number of exhibitors yeah and this makes the, the whole event, it's much more focused on certain things than some of the huge events, for example, in Holland, the Green Tech or, or these, let's say, a lot of different fields touching conferences. So I really like this format a lot. 
Do you notice a difference between the events in uh, in Europe and the events in the in the states in terms of one of the things you mentioned is the size, but it, I guess maybe just the maturity of the industry in Europe is, is some it's further along than than some of the events in the states. And, and do you notice that when you're here? Well, yeah, the size of the the conference is one clear thing. So I think it's of course this business for those those arranging parties and they just want it to have as big as possible so they can get as much money as possible from from arranging those things i i totally get it then again the challenges are the focus and it's more of a playing with who puts more money on the presenting the company with the booth interiors and things like that i think in holland they had to limit the amount of layers you can have in your booth <laughs> <laughs> because there was like getting out of hand, like hundreds of thousands just to build the booth for there. So it's it, it got ridiculous. But and for this aspect, the indoor icon is really good when you have this focus thing, and you, everybody has the same sized booth, so you can actually focus on the matters at hand, the facts, and the the actual business making business. So we've got a, a new conference coming up in New York City in June, and it it sounds like you'll be attending and presenting some new information there as well. Yeah, the Indoor Arctic New York, June 23rd to 24th. So that's that we have a team there. I'm not present myself, but we have a team present there. And that's relatively new. So uh, it was originally more of broad content of, of all agricultural aspects. But now they have, I think this is more of been off from that, which is more focused on indoor technologies and and. and it's also now good with this focus, so so we can actually get serious traction, serious discussions. I think this is also getting in a better direction. And are you focused on talking specifically about Green Tech Amsterdam? Or are there things that you're specifically going to be covering at the conference or exhibiting? Yes, we are not having anything major new releases in that event. We are working with Strawberry development right now still in r&d phase but uh we have pretty interesting results in that field and we are going to release technology on that field next winter so uh, that that's something we are a little bit touching on on green tech as well but majority or the focus will mainly be on this industrial scale mass production facilities of automated potted herbs potted lettuces and let's say this core technologies that we are supplying today and when when you think about you say moving into strawberries nico um, how much lead time or how much research do you do you put into deciding what direction you want to move into in terms of new produce or new varieties well i think we touched the subject in the um last discussion as well but uh, the main thinking behind this all of this is that vertical farming is I think it's very, or at least getting there with the maturity for for these leaf greens and herb production. And then again, once that is mature technology and that's mature businesses, then it, it's getting saturated pretty fast. So when we are in saturated business with those technologies, then we have to have already the next phase of vertical farming. Strawberry is interesting. Uh, I think a lot of companies are already looking into strawberry production in vertical farms, even have a lot of companies, at least in small quantities, producing strawberries in, in vertical farming style facilities at least. But 
I think there's still a lot of work to do in that field. How to improve the yields per square meter, uh, studying the varieties. There's like tons of varieties that you can grow in uh, in strawberries and vertical farms. So uh, there's a lot of work to do in that field. And what is the best combination of, of genetics, technologies, automation, all of these things. I believe that there's a lot of work for all of the companies to do there. Is that something that you're looking? I know that when I what I've noticed, and it may be different than the last time we spoke from the website, is just this idea of how Netlet is now being the all-in-one place for people who are you know all aspects of you know not just one aspect of, of the indoor farming, but it seems like and especially with Vera, because I don't know if we talked a little bit about that last time, but just how like the, the can you talk a little bit about what the thinking is in terms of being the one-stop shop, so that when people come to you now. It's really they're looking for an all-inclusive solution that can build upon all the all the all the research that you're starting to do in-house. Yes, that's a field we are doing a lot of work now. So surprisingly, often approaches or let's say the businesses that wants to buy technology from a third-party suppliers, they are they're bankers mainly, or or let's say a financial background people and bankers usually don't have that good, good touch on, on growing stuff or uh, green thumb <laughs> to to uh, growing stuff and, and usually it comes uh, the discussions always goes back to the fact that who will arrange these other parts of the businesses so when you have the, the vertical farm itself producing the stuff who will take care of the packaging automation or the uh, planning the material flows, the workflows, and all these other things that is also required to successful vertical farming. I don't know, maybe the actual farm is maybe maybe 40%, 30-40% of the overall work that you need to do when you're building a complete greenfield vertical farming business. And since we have built our own farm and operating our own farm all the way from uh, growing to, to the retail stores, which we are not doing on a commercial basis, but more of a proof of concept style. That gives us pretty good understanding of, of what are the all the demands that you have to put on that basil or, or lettuce to actually make it a product on a shelf of a retail store. I see that when going into this to actually make a difference in in this field when there is a lot of uh, newcomers to the business you have to offer broader offering than just the farm and just the, the details of that farm and so what were you seeing or in terms of like changing the approach was i right in 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 seeing that it's really what you're trying to do now is being more inclusive and being a more a holistic solution to, to people who are coming for that because obviously to your point you know if the farm is just the 40%, the other 60% is the part that people are not thinking about or not putting enough time into in terms of like figuring out, you know, what the marketing, the packaging and all this going to put together. And do you feel like NetLed now is in a better position to paint that holistic picture of the of an end-to-end solution? I think we are getting there at least. So we have a lot of knowledge of how to build that, let's say, missing pieces of, of that greenfield business development. And I believe that there's maybe too many failures in vertical farming when when the focus is too much on the growing itself so there are two let's say 
sins of vertical farmers is to focus too much on technology and too much on growing and too little on business itself. And then again, without taking, without going all the way to the business of the pricing and, and branding and things like that, you still have to figure out all those factory operations and, and what you need to do inside like those workflows and things like that store store storage pay, space and uh, how can you make most efficient operation of all those aspects and when you have that production planning and that operation planning well done then it is much easier to build those business let's say additions to on top of that like the um, marketing branding and uh, retail relations and things like that how do you think about the building the team because i imagine the team has gotten bigger since the last time we spoke and you know when you think about acquiring the the right skill set and the right combination of people to move you into this this new phase how do you think about you know what's what's the right mix for for the skills you're going to need in order to have this succeed that's a good good question and i think that uh well this is probably the problematics of all technology companies is the the technology is only as good as the people who is making it and if you cannot get talented people to do the technology and also the other parts of the business like like commercializing that technology and doing the financial modeling of the technology and all of these aspects like when i mentioned that the farms is more than just the farming but the technology business is also more than just technology it's like maybe 30 percent technology and 70 percent everything else like like business modeling things like that so to get all the best people to work in on all of those fields that's that's definitely a challenge i think we've succeeded pretty well we've increased our team threefold during the last year and uh, that's been a challenge to find good talented people to fill all those slots but luckily we've uh, succeeded pretty well that is giving good good platform to go forward but then again when we take a look of the face or pace how fast this whole market is developing and how much there are projects starting it is going to be bigger and bigger challenge to find the people to to fill all the spots required but that's also a question of how can you integrate partners and other companies how can you use the the outsourced resources efficiently but still keep all those strings in your own hand so that's probably the, the optimizing the outsourced resources but making sure that your in-house resources have all the skill sets that is needed to control the the business so i think that's the key to success in technology field are you seeing any improvements or developments in the space of e either companies sharing? I mean, I don't know if sharing resources is, is the right approach, but I, because obviously there's just proprietary information that, that can't be shared. But I think as an industry, I think there is an awareness that there is a finite source of talent available and either because they don't have this, the skill set yet or because it's so new and, and there's so many people that are needed across all, all the companies in the space. And so... You mentioned that there, you know, it, it is going to be a challenge to grow that. But is, is there anything? Do you see any initiatives being done in the in the industry to to bring more awareness to that, or or to educate in a way that helps everyone, you know, lift up and and be prepared for what's coming? Well, of course, the uh, education is also it's it's always important to have a um, right skill set 
educated to people that is supporting this specific business. And I, I would say that vertical farming technology business at least is very special from the skill set point of view because you have pretty much all the areas of physics involved maybe except nuclear physics but pretty much everything else <laughs> not yet <laughs> not yet yeah but then again you have that all the fields of physics and then you have that biology put all those together you really need to have very diverse know-how in the company M- much more diverse than any of these technology gadget businesses where you just need to make that gadget work and when it works it works once you have succeeded the technology for this very specific breed of plants and genetics then there can be the deterioration of of breeds and then the same recipes and same work doesn't necessarily work on that specific plant anymore so there's so much limitless amount of variables that also change over time and you have to match all of those so that is definitely a challenge to to of course you can have a different people having different skill sets and combine those to have the, the overall skill set but then again you need you need to have the general that the people have a, that have general understanding of how to put all of those different know-how together and and make that a successful combination yeah so it sounds like it's not a specific challenge with one solution that you can just apply and then you're you're fine for the next year because of all the different moving parts it seems like it's going to be a very dynamic problem going forward and obviously there's not one type of person that you you need or you need to hire you're probably seeing gaps and needs at all those different places all those different touch points right some in fields in biology and, and genetics electronics and then on all the physics and so you're, you're you're looking for talent in each of those specific places that can be applied to what you're doing at the company and i'm sure that's it's not something that's an easy challenge and i'm sure anyone who's in, in charge of the hiring <laughs> is has is, is got their hands full when it comes looking because to, to look for the right person can't can't be something that's that that's that easy and it's got to be a good company and culture fit as well headhunters have a headache with the <laughs> demands we have <laughs> but anyways going back to that sharing skills that's that's interesting thought and it's always difficult when you are in a risk of sharing information with your competitors and and how to actually manage that information then again when there is limited amount of talent that that would benefit the entire business to actually make a successful method or uh, arrangement how that can be made so that all the interests of of different companies and competitors even can be met but i think that we are still very early stage of of this vertical farming technology altogether and going forward i believe that there will be more and more specialization of of technologies and growers someone specializes on berries and someone on leafy greens and the third maybe tomatoes cukes oil plants and so on and when that takes place and the technology is diverse so different companies can actually focus on different fields so then they can actually share the information when they don't have overlapping markets that may be a, a risk to companies so uh you've got a new initiative in canada do you want to talk a little bit about what, what's happening there sure so we have vera site open in calgary and we have our uh, north american team in uh, in the Rambridge, Calgary, and, and they are operating the farm there. So it's a small demonstration farm of what Vera technology actually is. Uh, it's a 
two-layered 100 square meter unit applying this tech and um, and it's it's open for visitors now so so anyone who's interested can uh, book time from from our, our team and uh, they can get a tour on site and see their own eyes what, what is this technology all about it's a um, very difficult to get the uh, uh, the uh, US and Canadian people to go fly over to Finland so so now we have a much easier <laughs> approach for them to to see what what's what's really going on with our tech yeah and I mentioned Vera earlier so for the benefit of the listener and for for anyone who is not familiar with the technology can you provide like a just a an overview of what Vera is and and the thought behind creating it sure so Vera Vera is our brand name for the technology that that our company Netlet is is developing and uh, Vera is is putting together all the aspects of vertical farming so it's it's including the racking system the plant logistical systems uh, lighting irrigation uh, climate management but also pre and post harvest automation the the philosophy behind this Vera thinking is that how can we integrate all of these pieces of technologies most efficiently into this uh, to serve the the need of most cost efficient production while maintaining high level of quality in the production and so on so how can we have maximum amount of plants with the resources that we need to produce those and this way uh, optimize the resources used for each plant but then again, how can we have an elegant design that is integrating also the pre and post harvest operations of the of what needs to be done to the plants? So that's like automated transplanting, automated packing, um, harvesting, and so on. That's the core of Vera technology. But then again, we do have also these what we call facility services where we are implementing third party equipment for some additional parts like washing sprays and, uh, and palletizing stuff and um, labeling, things like that, that doesn't really make sense for us to reinvent into this system. And this is the, the field, what we discussed earlier about this, planning the processes all together and how can we best implement the modern technology of, of pack houses in all, all of food production into these vertical farms to to support the best and most efficient business model. Have you found that the the reason for moving towards this approach was to have better control over all the moving parts? Because in the past, if you would rely on an, an outsourced or an acquired, you know, LED system or an acquired robotic system, you know, you, there would be, I imagine there would be some challenges in, in getting those to work within your environment. And because of the need for all the moving parts working um, in, in tandem and, and, and working smoothly, I think the more that are under your control, I think the better you feel about being confident and being able to produce a product you know, at, at the cost you want to, at the quality you want to, with the efficiency you want to. It feels like the more, the more control you have over the moving parts, the better you can tweak it as you see where there's opportunities for improvement. Yeah, I think you are on the right track there. So... That's main thinking behind is that, of course, we originally started with the equipment available for greenhouses, that there is a lot of uh, well-established technologies that are used in massive 
plant production and, and there's very smart practices even. And we even uh, take some some uh, influence from greenhouse growing methods and greenhouse technologies of how certain things are done well and done well in 30 years already. So it doesn't really make sense us to reinvent the wheel on those parts. But then again, uh, the greenhouse technologies, it, it is developed to suit greenhouses. The environment is, is very, very different in, in vertical farms. And from that region, these technologies at least need some tweaking so that we don't have to compromise anything when we go to vertical farming. And since the vertical farming early days, there was uh, challenges of, of getting it financially feasible technology for actual commercial production. So um, so we didn't have the, the luxury of, of looking through our fingers of these, these, let's say, faults of greenhouse technology and vertical farming. So we have to optimize all of these parts. And this is the reason why we, we are um, taking control of more and more technologies of how they are implemented in vertical farming. But yeah, the controlling all parts and to have the access to all of the logistics logistics the PLCs the the computers of different parts of the farm and to study remote diagnostics remote engineering preemptive diagnostics um, horticultural consultancy all of these parts it's much easier when you have all the information that you can have available from those equipment so I think this is the bottom line reason why why we are developing and, and working with these, these more vertical farm designed parts, mainly with, with our own technology. Then again, we are using robotic arms and, and these certain, let's say, commercially available parts, though, wherever it makes sense. Of course, it doesn't make sense for those to be invented by us, but, but integrating those as a part of a farm, it, it's not always so obvious how you can do that, and that's where we are at our best. Do you think there's going to be more either consolidation, acquisitions, because as you see overlapping and some of the, the, the companies who are making more investments in the space and, and growing faster and bigger, naturally, you know, the, the, as they look to bring everything in-house, I, I would imagine at some point there's going to be opportunities to, to see maybe smaller companies that are doing something similar that would be in alignment with what you're doing or give you access to a different market. Obviously, if there's nothing that's publicly announced, there's probably nothing you can talk about. But do, do you think about that as options or opportunities in the future? Uh, that's a really good question of how this market should be driven forward, how us, for example, as a company should be growing into this, taking in technologies that are working with similarly on, on the same field. Then again, I think that a lot of the companies are still in their infancy state. Uh, a lot of I believe that companies that are working, and all all my respect, those companies, the companies that are working on some very specific part of technology uh, of vertical farming, they have the difficulty to actually get that technology sold to, let's say, as a commercial product, as a part, to the part of of vertical farming. Challenge is that, for example. I think a good example is our LED design. We couldn't find commercial available LEDs that would fit our understanding of how vertical farms should be built. Difficulty with LEDs is that they have certain opening angle and they have certain power per unit. If you don't optimize that 
for that specific vertical farming design like layer heights and widths and so on. You're going to be in trouble with the light distribution and the heat distribution and the expense of the LEDs. And when we originally worked with LEDs for vertical farms and, and pushed those for to sell commercially just LED systems, we found out that we need to design and engineer maybe 10 different LED luminaires just to fit all those racking designs available on the market. And that, that doesn't really make sense. We would never pay back those R&D expenses by doing so many different product lines. So this is the diffi difficulty that I believe that even though in greenhouse field there's LED providers, there's irrigation providers, there's greenhouse providers and so on, but there's so much room to operate in greenhouses. You have 5 meter high ceiling or 15 feet high ceiling. It doesn't really matter where you have that luminaire. Meter, a few feet there on here or there, it doesn't really matter. It works well anyways. But in vertical farm, if you have one feet aside a LED luminaire, you have dark spot and then you lose crops on that area. And it's like precision engineering, and that's why it's difficult to just get a generally applicable technologies from the market. But having said that, there are some technologies, software, um, uh, harvesting robotics and, and things like that, um, pest recognition, like picture, automated picture recognition of pests and things like that, that are very interesting and very, very well developing, I would say. I don't think they are really there yet, but they are developing very interestingly. So those are at least the fields that I'm monitoring closely. Uh, it feels like you almost need uh, someone on the on the in the business just to monitor the new developments and just even some of the things you talked about there because it's so precision and because the technologies and the improvements and the people coming into the space and seeing how they can improve. I mean, even things like pest <laughs> image recognition. <laughs> and then when I was at Indoor Ag, they had the the pests that eat the other pests and then they die after a certain period of time. It's just like the amount of precision that's happening both from a technology perspective, but also from, you know, looking at what exists now in nature that can, you know, meet meet some of those challenges is really fascinating. And the development of which it's happening is it seems really, really fast. And it feels like uh, innovation is happening constantly. So I think it's just a function maybe for you to, you know, as a company, you have to decide which of these are ready and which of these are still too early um, for you to implement. But, you know, are you seeing anything else that, that has you excited about what, what potentially could be something that, that could enhance what you're currently doing? That is a good question. So I would say that leafy greens and herbs field is, is uh, the technology is really, really good already. It is very difficult to find these, these groundbreaking innovations in that field that, that would usually improve of course there's always something i don't say that anything is perfect uh, there's always room for improvement but, uh, but to actually have a five ten percent jumps in productivity with some certain innovation uh, that that's really hard to see yeah but then again we are moving towards new crops there is a lot of work to do a lot of innovation to do in those crops so that is definitely something to look into how how can we further automate all of those uh, one good good thing is or good example is the the pollination of berries for example and uh, pollination is tricky thing you can do it mechanically or you can do it with bees and uh, both 
well, mechanically it's easy. You don't have to buy beehives and, and things like this. But then again, it's not so good. It's not, not perfect pollination when you do it mechanically. And I know that from by heart because uh, when when we when I was working with, with my family greenhouse, we had 27,000 tomato plants and we had these electric toothbrushes that we used to pollinate those. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was like a job but sounds like a lot of work yeah it was <laughs> you also have got an initiative you're starting in, in sweden i think not fully developed yet but is, is there a little bit you can speak about what's happening there yes we're working on a project there which is a, which is um, big in scale so um we are going to produce about almost three million heads annually of herbs in that facility so that's that's very sizable production pl plant and it's going to be fully automated so there is no um, labor involved in any of the plant handling operations so all the labor will be involved in in the monitoring and controlling the the equipment but that that's going to be very advanced vertical farming that that we are building there and and it is almost finished now, so we are on the final steps of commissioning. So it's there's going to be some news coming up from that field in with more details in, in near future. So uh so that is very interesting advancements in in the herb production field. It sounds like it's the culmination of everything we've been talking about here. You know, the fact that you've been able to incorporate, um, and this, this closed, closed loop production cycle where you can monitor each of the different moving parts. The fact that it's going to be fully automated is, is, is interesting because I, I think, you know, there is a portion of the, of the industry that's moving towards that just as much automation as possible because, you know, you to the, as we just talked about, being able to specifically control the variables and tweak the variables is something probably that I would imagine is going to be a highlight of, of the facility in Sweden because I, I, there's going to be a lot of monitoring at what, what's working, what's not working and, and efficiencies. And so it, I imagine that exciting for you because it, it feels like it's where you've been moving and, and where Netlet has been moving in terms of like having a facility of that's world-class like this. Yes, that's true. So there is a lot of the, the automation is, is something that is, is our core expertise and automation with plants is always difficult when you don't know exactly what shape and size the plant is going to be. Where can you where can you grab that plant in by not breaking it up or, or ruining the quality? So that is challenging. But when you're doing that, let's say general enough way, it's doable and it's doable on a reliable way. And that's of course the reliability of of technologies. That is the utmost importance. So it doesn't really help if you save low cost labor hours on the operation itself. If you then have high cost maintenance hours go running all the time. Yeah, yeah. So the reliability is, of course, a key in these farms. And, and, and that's something I believe that we have mastered that pretty well in this, this farm. Are you tracking any of the enhancements with power consumption? I, I recently had the uh, the CEO of a, a Volt server on, and, and they were presenting at Indoor Ag as well. Pioneered or patented this idea of digital electricity, and obviously, when it comes to when it comes to vertical farms and, and how much energy is consumed, is that something that you're monitoring? A space that you're monitoring closely as well? Sure. Yeah, the, the energy consumption is 
very important nowadays when we have this ESG uh, popping up, popping up everywhere, like the emission rates. So, for example, this this uh, Swedish site is carbon neutral. So we have to understand what is the energy consumption, where it comes from, and how can we make sure that we are not consuming more that that we have in this this uh, plans. So that the short answer is yes. That so only we know every kilowatt hour that we are consuming in that farm, and we know where it comes from and where it goes in the farm so then again since we are in the phase uh, since the world is in this stage stage that we see these climate change effects everywhere so it means that constantly getting more and more regulations regarding this emission reductions and i believe that all operations all food production needs to go to, to this carbon neutral sooner or later and there are two ways. One is to just cut all the consumption, which is impossible in many cases. But the, the more reasonable way is to cut as minim- cut down to as minimum as possible the energy consumption and then compensate the rest. And when you do that, that's the most cost-efficient way to do that. But if you have, a, let's say, you are growing and you're heating up and making electricity with bunker oil or something like that, r- ridiculous stuff, and you're compensating all that emissions that will cost you a lot of money. <laughs> so then it actually drives companies to cut the emissions and, and compensate as little as possible of, of those emissions. I'm curious what your experience is. And obviously, when you're within the industry and you're seeing the growth and you're seeing the investment come in and you're seeing all the, the, the companies that are coming out and building and expanding, we all feel like this, we're, this is an exciting time. And, and everyone's excited about vertical farming, but do you see or hear in, in Finland in trees where you, there's an opportunity to speak to the, you know, consumer or hear what's happening from the consumer? Do you feel, you know, that there's more of an awareness about, you know, the potential for vertical farming and, and how people can begin to incorporate that and see that as a viable option as opposed to just thinking about produce coming from a, a typical farm? That's really nice that you brought that up since we just did a uh, we just did a this questionnaire to consumers of how they feel about vertical farming. Of course, one out of ten people really knew what we are talking about. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is about. So, one of ten knew anything about vertical farming. Then again, when when we talked a little of what is going on and what is the benefits of vertical farming and what it means what it really means. Uh, so then 9 out of 10 people were interested to try out vertical farm produce. That's really promising that, uh, because we were afraid that people will say, that, okay, this is some GMO or, or something horrible. <laughs> plants cannot grow robot, if they don't robot, get sunlight. Ro- <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the normal reaction. But, but then again, uh, the consumers are surprisingly aware that there are different ways of doing things and some ways and the modern ways can actually be better than the old school ways yeah so i'm confident that the the let's say the weirdness of vertical farming is not going to be any issue to consumers anymore at least yeah and maybe something that the industry can tackle and maybe at some other conferences people can have these conversations in the hallways but 
I grew up uh, in, in the 80s and obviously the industries here would spend a lot of money <laughs> on making people aware of like influencing people to drink more milk <laughs> or just, just eat, eat more. You know, we would have the, everyone remembers the got milk uh, campaign here in the States, but it was, I don't drink milk, but <laughs> I remember like it was, it was almost like an, until more education was available. It, the message was like it strengthens the bones and just very simple marketing, but very effective branding because it, it became so popular. People would just wear t-shirts, <laughs> you know, with, 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 with that. And, and even the beef industry, they would, you know, that, that they would have that one commercial that says beef, it's what's for dinner. And, and it's a big campaign. You're showing the cowboy on the ranch. <laughs> so I think there's an opportunity maybe within vertical farming, you know, to, to put our collective heads together and, and some education to, to show people that the robots and produce can can play <laughs> can play nicely together, and I, I think there's a little bit uh, misunderstanding. Or, of course, when you think about that ideal old school way of farming on open field, like the the guy with the straw in his between his teeth and throwing some seeds on the field. Of course, that's appealing image that okay, this this have been grown with love and and so on. But then again, when you put on the table all those challenges of soil-based bacteria and the erosion and salination of soil and, and all, of, all those things, people, consumers really understand that it's not the way how modern world works anymore. It probably never was, but now we understand that. <laughs> so, so, so I think that, that that's one of the reasons when we see all these problems with agriculture and also water shortages and things like that, that people really understand that we have to do something to convey that information. That could be some some vertical farming community uh, work to do. Yeah. So, Nico, as, as we, we wrap up, I'm, I'm always curious because um, the challenges are, are never ending in this industry, and especially with someone who's leading a company that's growing as fast as NetLed is. What what keeps you motivated to keep going, and and, and what you know what do you, what do you see as the as the hope for the future in this industry? I have to say that now now that we are getting these signals from uh, World Food Organization and and also the Finnish Agricultural Produce Association chief stated that uh, there are going to be food shortages in Europe by the end of this year. Which is like it's like it's like news that comes from movies. Nobody really thought that this will be a news in 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 Europe, like a, a year ago. So, this gives at least to me feeling that we are m- more and more important field. We are working probably in the most important field right now of solving these these food related issues. Of course somebody can claim and even myself claim sometimes that lettuces are not going to save the world because there's no calories in it. But then again if we just grow that lettuce at least that lettuce that no calorie lettuce in vertical farms and leave that fertile land to grow some proper food like uh, rice or rice or uh, or wheat or whatever cereals. So then we can actually do our part of uh, making sure that in future we still have food to eat. Yeah, and I think what what I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the All In podcast talking about how China's done a, a very good job of keeping their supply. I think they said they have fifteen months worth of food in storage, but the companies in you know some companies in Africa, like to your point, in two or three months, you know that the, whatever food they have in storage, and then with what happened in the Ukraine, and that people not understanding how much of a dependency there was 
uh, for wheat <laughs> coming from the Ukraine. And, and I think just, just educate, I think it's, it's a wake up call, I think, for people to understand, like, you don't, you go to the supermarket and then you just expect that everything is always going to be there in an abundant supply. And then when, when it, when it's not and, it feels like we're getting to the point where where people will, will be going to a supermarket and not seeing things on the shelves. And I think it, it's going to be, you know, st- the, the alarm bells are already starting to be sounded. And I think educating people about some opportunities that may not provide the immediate solution, but I think could be part of, part of the solution, I think are going to be helpful. Yeah, I definitely agree on that. So it's, uh, I believe that we are working on, on important fields, the whole vertical farming community, the know-how that is accumulating on these these businesses and and people working on this field it's going to be beneficial to solve this this problem and of course the same principles work in open field and and greenhouses and and vertical farms so uh, it is very important we have a lot of enthusiastic talented people working on these principle know-how of how to produce stuff and whether the business is in vertical farms or some other that's they are all part of the solution. Well, I want to thank you for for coming back on and and, and get, getting us updated and everything that's happening. The exciting things that are happening at NetLed. It feels like it's you know we could be having these conversations every six months, and you would have just these new innovations. Everything is moving so fast, so I'm looking forward. I'm really trying to see if I can make it to uh, New York City, for, um, and so I'll, I'll definitely connect with the team there. But if people want to learn more, they can just head on over to netled.fi, and we'll be make make sure to include all those links in the uh in the show notes as well anything else coming up or anything else you wanted to let people know and i, I always say now uh, you know because of the audience that we have and, and how focused it is uh specifically on this industry is there a message that you have for for listeners and colleague your colleagues that are listening as well well nothing that pe- peculiar but uh we i'm myself visiting the green tech amsterdam so if uh if people wanting to come by and uh, have a chat so we'll be there 14 to 16 so um so if there's some topics we missed today <laughs> please <laughs> come come forward and uh, let, let's finish that talk there thanks again for the opportunity i really appreciate it sure thank you harry thanks again to nico for coming on the show and sharing his story i'm grateful to him and the team for coordinating a second round and i always appreciate him taking the time to let us know what's happening in their world As always, a special thanks to our Season 5 title sponsor, Cultivated. If you are looking for a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology will suit your needs, reach out to them today. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at Cultivated.com, and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last E. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at Fullcast.co. As a reminder, if you're enjoying this show, or this specific episode, leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP, and I'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. The great conversations just keep on coming. Next week, we'll have another one with Max Lossel. He's the co-founder and CEO of AgRolution. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published. 